Hello and welcome to the 18th episode of Floorcast, the NFT podcast. Forecast, Floorcast, see what we did there? We're a community-led podcast by the Floor NFT app community. And if you don't know what Floor is, it's your very own NFT portfolio in your pocket. An app that aggregates all your NFTs into one amazing interface, showing you price movements, latest sales, and so much more. Today, as usual, I'm joined by, well, two of the three Cs. First and foremost, Corwin, community at Floor NFT. How are you doing today? Good morning, Pat. It's actually a very cloudy day. How's the weather over there? I'm glad you asked. It's almost as if we planned this because it is the nicest day of the year so far in London. Sun is shining. It's been glorious all day. I've done some work outside because it was that nice. And yeah, just the best day of the year so far for me. But um, look, I'm sad it's not as sunny where you are, but you probably get a lot more sun than I do all year round, right? That's correct. But, you <laughs> That's <know>. correct. <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually uh, raining a little bit this morning, so oh, hopefully damn. I'll see sun by the end of the day. I'm sure I will. Mm, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. And also, Curtis J. Cummings, how are you, sir? I am doing very well. I just got back from a week in New York, which was amazing uh, at Floor HQ. And uh, yeah, feeling good. Ready to start a new week. Awesome. Awesome. We are not alone, however. We are joined by our first, I guess what you'd call them, a guest host at this point. We are joined by Yeshe, founder of Rubber Duck Bath Party. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here with all of you. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a listener, so uh, feeling pretty pretty special to, to be a, <laughs> a guest co-host today. Why do you love the Floorcast so much then? That's my first question. I think it's, it's maybe like a combination of, I come from the tech world. And I think the the way you all think and the topics you talk about are really sort of like, you know, really tech focused, but also just like sort of like the, the way you think about the world and, and you know, is, is, is very similar to what I'm used to. Um, and then it's also like, I don't know, it's fun banter. Um, so, <laughs> so it's also like easy to listen to. And, you know, even if I, you know, forget to listen, I always get sent clips of people <laughs> people having beef with the ducks uh, because of, you know, how, how badly the ducks have been partying. So I can't escape it. We will get there. We, we will get, get there. there. Don't this... you worry. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. But before we do get into some of this stuff, Yeshe, why don't you tell us a bit more about yourself, your background, how you got into the space and why you decided to to launch your amazing ducky product. Yeah. Product um, <laughs> no worries. It's it's both, I guess. Yeah. So like what I mentioned before, um, I have worked basically all my life in tech, um, both in startups and in big, bigger tech companies. So, you know, very familiar with with this space. And then I guess like when crypto started, that's like something I started to look into and then start playing with. Specifically, I got into NFTs because uh, of Gao, who's like the artist of, of the duckies. And he launched like... Like a, a small collection uh, somewhere early summer 20, 2021 um, and I actually bought like the it, it's called Slime World and I bought like the first the, his first NFT essentially and I sort of like got into it so I started to join and buy some stuff um, and it was like super addicting and I, I felt like there was like something really real about it so I essentially just like quit my job and started building and started like, working on, on, on stuff. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've been working in tech for a really long time. I look a bit younger than I actually am. Uh, so, so yeah, it has been like sort of like a decade of work uh, um, in tech. Um, and now I'm just like fully focused on, on Web3, really curious to sort of like see where, where it's going and like to learn like how this space is developing. And I thought like the best way to do it is just like be in the midst of it. And that's, that was like also like the reason why I decide, decide just like start an NFT project or like join one or like work on one. That's awesome. I mean, look, it's better to look younger than you actually are than it is to look older than you actually are once you get past a certain age, right? So fair play to you. But we'll, we'll get into a lot more about your background and, and the project uh, during the show. For now, we're going to get into everything that we need to bring to the table as hosts here. So Corwin, I'm going to go to you first. What are you bringing to the table this week? I want to talk about the CPG and Pop Mint. Definitely interesting seeing the entire thing mint out in this type of market at 2.55 ETH. And for people who don't know, CPG is like a community of like builders, like established Web2 operators, Web3 entrepreneurs. It was founded by Chris Cantino. And they they had a, I think it was a 2,222 collection drop. And because like ETH and gas was so low, it was insane how cheap 
the mints were like, I think the cheapest mint was like $2.90. So like just to see that happen is like insane in like our gas era, um, even though Guay is pretty cheap now. But their floor price ran up to like right after mint, went from like 2.55 up to I think like 3.7 it peaked at, 3.8. So definitely interesting to see that like last week when like there was no NFT sales whatsoever. Like I'm looking at like Dune Analytics and like this is like the lowest volume OpenSea has had in like the past year and a half. So definitely interesting to see that and how the market was staying afloat with this. And I know they like, they're like Telegram rather than Discord first, which is definitely interesting. That is really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I see that there's like some growing pains going on there because they went from 300 members to like 2,700 members now or or whatever it may be. Because I think they had like some mentor memberships they were able to give out and things like that. But definitely interesting seeing their community go like 6x and seeing all the growing pains they went through, but it looks like things have definitely calmed down and they're getting a hold on things. Is their Telegram token-gated? Like, is it only for holders? Yeah, it's token. I think they use, col- I think there's like a Collabland plugin for Telegram. Yeah, it's, it's, it is cool. Telegram is taking some getting used to as someone who's only had like one or two chats ever in Telegram to now have like the main chat and then a bunch of sub chats. But yeah, everything is token-gated behind Collabland, which is... On Android in particular is kind of a rocky experience because you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to make Clabland like keep letting you jump into channels. But yeah, I'm enjoying Telegram so far. Uh, now that some people have kind of filtered out that may have just been in it for flipping or didn't have any idea what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, it's interesting. I know that crypto itself is a very like Telegram heavy user base and has like that culture behind it. I did find it interesting that you know as a NFT project predominantly they've decided to use that as their like platform maybe to differentiate a bit but i'm sure there's some maybe security or technical reasons that they've that they've done that i think it's quite cool i mean i wanted to ask you a question curtis on this one because i think it's a really interesting project like i'm really curious to see what kind of things get built out of this community do you think with a kind of utility token like that or utility tokens in general from an nft perspective it matters less about the kind of floor price and maybe the kind of like actual value that you derive from the community itself because i think a lot of nft founders might see projects go under the mint price and maybe panic a little bit or you see a lot of projects kind of like try and pump it back up for whatever reason i think what i've seen from the cpg team in terms of just how calm they are and how they know that they are in for this for like five seven ten years rather than kind of like that quick value creation and then nothing at all kind of stagnation so do you think like there's going to be a lot of things that come out of this projects that are going to really like blow people's minds over the next few years? I think there will be. It's definitely an interesting utility token because most utility tokens in the space are either access into a Discord that's all about trading NFTs or it's NFT tools themselves, so like sniping bots and stuff like that. So this is one of few utility tokens, which is basically just community access to something that is not all about NFT trading, which is odd considering the, the thing itself is an NFT. I think people will get a lot of value. The people who want to get value out of it will get the value out of it. They're really doubling down on the operator, founder, builder side of things. They've got all their utility centers around that. So genius calls, lots of networking, bringing in different experts, uh, having a whole incubator that's going to help incubate products. And that's kind of what this this pop race is for. So the Genesis proceeds all went to charity. Now this is actually going into the treasury so they can start funding some of these community projects. So far, I've been really impressed. I know a lot of people who are in the Genesis and they're all very impressive people. Lots, I know some of the pop people that I've been interacting with on Telegram. It's just a really interesting mix of people who are building in the space. And I'm, I'm not so concerned about floor price because I mostly got into it knowing full well that this was going to be a long-term hold and I was going to be mostly getting out of it the builder side and networking side of things. It's also seeing a lot of people from Genesis CPG in our Telegram. Like We have the Mason people who did their contract. We have Cantino, who is their founder, and he's he's in the Floor Discord. He actually, someone in the Floor Discord actually won a free airdrop, and Cantino like announced it in our Discord. It was really awesome. Um, but it seems like a great community-driven like 
project for people who want to create. What's your perspective, Yashay? I don't know how much you know about the CPG kind of community, but like, I'd love to hear your perspective on it generally and then this latest drop as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really it's a really interesting concept, specifically because I think it's not something new, right? Like, especially in tech, you have had lots of these sort of like networking clubs. Also, like sort of like more, you know, exclusive ones or ones you have to buy into. And I think like what's going to be really interesting to basically monitor here is like how stable is this community going to be? Because like essentially people buy access into something and I think that will only work if a vast majority, right? Like these strong operators and founders that you actually want to connect to stay there, right? Like you don't want them to sort of like, you don't want it to switch out every week. Um, and um, you, you you sort of like will probably want to see that they're actually open to connect to new people, right? So like, do you actually get access and do you get, will, will you actually get closer to sort of like the type of people that you want to? And I think if they're able to do that sort of like on the long term, it, it can be incredibly valuable, right? But yeah, if, if it doesn't sort of like pan out, right? Like if you sort of like, actually you, you will want to see low trading volumes here almost, right? And uh, so, so I think that's basically going, going to be the most interesting thing to look for. I really like things in crypto or specifically within NFTs that are not new behaviors, right? Like it's like something that has been happening, but is now possible in better ways. And I think this is potentially one of those use cases. Uh, so, so yeah, definitely really interested in it. I haven't bought myself, but yeah, curious to see how that goes. Um, and, and obviously I think if this works, you can see how this scales, right? Like you can have like local, basically like tokens that are more local. So you can find people in, in, in sort of like different networks or like things that spend like outside of like what they're doing right now. Right? Like right now, which is like really tech or crypto focused. So I think it has lots of potential, but yeah, we have to see how, how, how it actually pans out. Yeah, definitely really interesting point on the low trading volumes or how you'd prefer, like you want that kind of sticky majority to stay. And I think like if the volumes ever get too high, then you're kind of thinking, okay, who's who's leaving this community at this point? But I do think that's a really, really interesting point to to raise. Like you want you want some, you know, healthy trading volumes because it's not going to be for everyone, right? And there might be a new participant who wants to join and be part of the club. And obviously for the project, it's kind of healthy to have those royalties uh, continue to flow through. But if the volumes are too high and you kind of see, oh, like there's lots of churn here, maybe then the, the right type of people are picking uh, and not staying. And at the same time, if it's really successful and lots of people want to be part of it, then the like the volumes might be still low, but you might have like really, really high fall prices. So yeah, really curious to see how that project goes. And uh, I'm sure with the people behind it, it's going to go fairly well. Okay, on to the next subject. I'm actually going to go next. This was a little bit of a music NFT subject for me. I've got kind of two bits of news. Well, first of all was Chainsmokers dropping NFTs with Royal. So obviously they're not the first artist to do so, but I thought it was quite interesting. Second was Spotify are going to allow artists to showcase their own NFTs on their platform. Well, that's the rumor. That was the, the kind of news for it. A lot of people have been hot on music NFTs for a while. I won't lie to you. I've always kind of been of a, a bit of a bear when it comes to music NFTs. And I'll kind of outline in a bit why. I've just never really, like I kind of see it as, okay, well, if you look at the equivalent of like owning the music to, I don't know, owning a car, but like listening to the music or on radio is kind of like renting the car if that makes sense, or like listening to a copy of the music. I don't know if there's enough people who want to own that to make it a thing in the long term. I do think there's some really interesting implications. Like I think what Royal are doing in terms of the shared royalty space and being able to like kickstart, like if you're a new artist, kickstart your career through like a highly engaged community that sell out your NFTs early. Really interesting. I think, but I, I overall, I'm not quite sure that like mass audience, I'm not, I'm, I'm just not certain on it basically in terms of music NFTs specifically. However, wanted to bring that to the table because I think it's really jumping, interesting jumping off point to talk about those two things specifically and maybe more so the Spotify one, but also music NFTs in general. So Corwin, what about you? I know you're a music fan. You bought any, uh, bought any music NFTs? No, I have not. I'm actually looking into one right now actually called, I think it's Warps. It's not exactly like the NFTs you mentioned, but it is definitely interesting seeing the rumor of Spotify adding NFT verification on their platform. We saw this last week with Instagram, Meta, 
doing it and then we have Twitter doing it and I'm just like this is like NFTs are like kind of like mainstream now if every pla- if every tech platform is like like embracing this I-, I said this last week too it's like as much as people hate it all these tech platforms I feel like are pushing it on people until they start to like maybe not like it but like start accepting it so definitely interesting move by Spotify I'm curious where that's is that just going to come up on their profile is it going to come up on their album artwork like how is this going to look I'm super excited to see but what's your take on that pet I think the Spotify thing's interesting I think considering their business model is very well a lot of people would say predatory on music artists in the sense that like they gain such a small percentage of the revenues that are derived from streams it is interesting that they want to showcase something that is very let's call it what it is right anti-establishment it is completely subverting creator business models whether you're an artist whether you're a youtuber whether you're a you know, whether you're a community curator, whether you're a music artist, a lot of people are being able to make more money in, you know, three or four years than they have been able to in like 30 years as a creator. And I guess that is dangerous for Spotify's business model in general. So I am kind of surprised. But yeah, Yeshe, I'd, I'd love to hear your... Go on, sorry, Colin. I just dropped... Real quick, just say, I'm so sorry. I just dropped a link um, in the chat here from a Twitter estimated creator revenue sources in 2021. NFTs. 3.9 billion with only 22,000 creators. Spotify, 7 billion with 11 million creators. Wow. Like, this is, these are just insane numbers. And the craziest one is on that is YouTube is 15 billion, right? And that is $2.47 average per channel. And there's 37 million channels. Obviously, you know, there's going to be a like, a lot of the money is going to go to like the top 10% of creators. But YouTube actually have a fairly decent revenue split. Like they, I think they give away like 35% of their revenue to creators, which is, I mean, a, a hell of a lot more than Spotify. And even then you're only looking at a multiple of like four to NFTs. And yeah, th- there is something interesting about like Meta and Spotify trying to get in on this act. But in actual fact, when you look at the data, it's kind of trying to subvert those business models from a creator standpoint. Yeah, I, I think this is fascinating. The, 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 the numbers are really amazing because it sort of like reminds me of, you know, when, when, when I start to talk with Gal about sort of like the NFTs he's doing and like the project, the, the Ducky project, it's really like, it reminds you sort of like of how empowering NFTs basically have been for artists, right? It's like, for, for, for Gal, for instance, like he used to work as a, a designer, right? Like at startups and that's like how artists made money. And then he went to social media, right? Like YouTube and Instagram and on Instagram, right? You don't make any money and then on YouTube, you do make a bit, but like, it's like you, you, you actually can't make money from your art. And I think like looking at, at those numbers, it's like insane, right? Because suddenly you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be sort of like that poor artist anymore that has to sort of like make a living through other stuff. And it, I, I think like it's sort of like we sometimes forget uh, sort of like this point, like the power of NFTs, right? Like that artists could actually, uh, you know, can finally sort of like take the power back and make a living off their work. I, it sometimes get a, gets a bit lost, I think, in, in you know, talk about the floor price or, or you know, volumes and things like that. But I think looking at these numbers, right, and, and we're still so early um, and it's already, you know, almost at half of, you know, let's say what Spotify is pay, paying creators and that, that, that's that's just insane. So yeah, on the, on the topic of music NFTs, like I, I, I think music NFTs are really, really interesting. We actually like the, the rubber duck bath party, like one of the team members is a musician, Raffo Frost, and, and we have already produced four original tracks. Basically for each bath party, uh, we produce a new track. Um, so we have looked into how to do uh, music NFTs in a good way. And I'm sort of like with you on that point where on one hand, I really want it to work and I really want to find like a use case on how to do this right. But it's also not that straightforward. So like we haven't done anything there yet also just because of market conditions. And like we sort of like wanted to like be in a more stable place before we do something cool with uh, sort of like releasing Rafa's work as NFTs and like the tracks we produce as NFTs, it's going to become an album at the end and then we will do something special with it. 
But but there is something that's a bit problematic with, you know, one really big part of, I, I would say sort of like two big parts of NFTs are, uh, you know, the digital identity side of like, I can show who I am through a digital asset, right? And 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 the second part is sort of like the, the collectible, right? Like you, you actually, people like collecting stuff and the feeling of you collecting something and being able to showcase that. And I think that's a bit hard with music NFTs. And the utility side of it is just not diversified enough from the current experience. So I don't really, as a user, care if I'm playing like a regular track or an NFT the consu- track. Yeah, that's the thing. The consumption experience is the same, yeah. right? Yeah. So so the consumption experience is exactly the same. And then from a creator side, so if you think about royalties and things like that, it's very theoretic because like actually, if you look at when we produce tracks, like when we work with Raphael on that, there's lots of people in the middle, right? like distributors and, and things like that. It's a really, really slow process. And I think it's really ripe for dis- for, for sort of like disruption, but it's more complicated than, than sort of like NFTs that we know today, uh, sort of like the JPEGs, uh, right? Like it's just more complicated and requires, it really requires companies like Royals to come in and, and sort of like fix it end to end. And that's just way slower, right? So like it, it, it's, it's not as sexy and not as quick as I think the rest of the NFT space that could just like, you know, you, you, you could launch really, really fast, both on the side of project, but also, you know, things like Floor app, right? Like you, your time to market is pretty fast. Uh, I think for music, because it's more complicated, uh, it, it's just, it takes more time. But I do I do believe in, you know, if we get back to the first point, right? Like I think what Web3 really is about is getting the power back to the creators, to the creatives, to the artists. And I, you know, that's, inevitable that's going to happen for music uh, just like it happened for you know people that paint and draw and and uh, so 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 yeah I, I, it's going to have a bullish long term but bearish short term i think i agree i feel like it's kind of like soundcloud gave more power to the artists by giving them exposure and getting them out there and then web3 is coming along and giving not only giving them exposure but giving them the resources and money to do what they want to do yeah i think um I think the overarching point for me, which is the most important one, is I don't think that music NFTs from a consumption perspective are going to be the thing that revolutionizes music. I think the thing that might do is the communities that are built around artists so that communi- uh, so that artists have a much tighter connection with said art, uh, said community members. I'm getting my words mixed up there. If you know what I mean, like it's not necessarily about the consumption, it's about like the community around it and it's that old adage of like the the medium or the messages in the medium type of thing and i just yeah as yashay said i'm I'm not quite sure on short term long term i think it's definitely going to have an impact i probably am not qualified enough to know how or, or why curtis before we move on have you got any thoughts on this subject in particular when it comes to music nfts yeah uh i agree with a lot of what you guys are saying around bearish short-term bullish long-term the part that is interesting for me is beyond being able to capture more of the value that you're delivering to your, your customers is also the utility side of things. So you could use the music NFT for really interesting activations in real life. So like there's always those people who are like, oh, I was like one of the first listeners or I bought their first album. It's like you can't really prove that, but now you can. You can say, hey, look, I bought it like before it. They got picked up by any sort of big agency or, or they played any big stadiums like I was there first. And on the flip side, the musicians could reward those early members with stuff that we're used to in NFTs like airdrops or it could just be like, hey, here's tickets to a show or here's here's a bunch of cool merch. Here's like early access to my next album. You can get that NFT for cheaper than everyone else. So there's lots of really cool activations. So I'm looking forward to what people will experiment with in that space. But I think for the first little bit, yeah, it's going to be a little rocky, especially until we have a lot more people in NFTs. Cause right now it's a very, very small market. And even of that market, like how many people are the types of music fans are going to go after this sort of thing. I think that kind of concert perspective, like whether it's PO apps, NFTs, the ticketing side of thing, like I've spoken to some music companies and labels who are actually really keen on on thinking about how that works and how they can really yeah empower and foster those communities around artists. Like something's gonna give here, right? Like, you know, people have watched Travis Scott concerts on Fortnite, like tens of millions of people, right? You've got kind of PO apps coming and, and having a big say in the NFT. Uh, side of things you've got royal doing really interesting things on the royalty side of things 
I really think there's going to be something here. I'm not quite sure it's going to look like what it is right now. I think some of the stuff that Curtis has said uh, is going to be more interesting. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. It's actually really interesting to see, for instance, Snoop Dogg, who is, you know, I think by now also like an influencer in the NFT space. And of course, like a you know, huge artist, right? Like, and, and he hasn't done much with music nfts and so so i think that's like also like a really interesting sign right like it's like a person who knows both worlds really well it would be interesting to sort of like see what he's going to do and and yeah i, I agree with curtis around the activations right like a, there's so much you can do right like even even just like a snoop dog or like a dog token right which you actually get if you i don't know get this album first or go to concerts or buy merch or the sky is really the limit and the most interesting thing i think if you look at lots of nft projects is they are launching and then building a brand and then sort of like trying to figure out how do i bring utility or you know sort of like add value to people who like what we are doing and the thing here is that that already exists right so like you actually have the whole infrastructure already there you have like all the utility and things you want to give people there and you just have now sort of like superior tech uh, that can you know make that better and and actually benefit sort of like the hardcore fans and people that are really there uh, you know from day one so so yeah i, I don't know i think I, I would keep an eye on snoop dogg i'm like it's actually weird he hasn't made any moves towards this, right? Like he's doing lots of things in Web3, but almost nothing that really has to do with music. I think one interesting thing along that the lines, because Snoop did have an NFT project lined up and then it got killed at the last second because of his label. What's going to be interesting with bigger artists, the current market, basically, like your label basically owns you and everything you output which lets you not do things like NFTs and unless the label is behind it. And we know that they move so slowly in the music industry that, I mean, they haven't even caught up to the Web 2. How are they going to catch up to Web 3? So I, I see this, the cool stuff is probably going to come from those who are either big enough to break away from their labels or those who aren't signed to labels at all. So it'll be indie creators coming up and making a big name for themselves and doing these crazy NFT things. Uh, the big artists are kind of handcuffed by really crazy licensing and contracts. Yeah. Maybe she started out to free some artists we like, you know, just like Taylor <laughs> Swift, she bought back like masters, right? Like from, you know, after like that whole lawsuit, uh, it would actually be fun to start it down and like free up some artists so they can start uh, moving to F3. That's actually a great idea. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of, when we see infrastructure kind of built to do mobile native, like streaming via token gating at like a, bit of a better level i do think there'll be some interesting stuff there as well i do think that kind of immutable connectivity between a network of people is the single most powerful thing for artists though like music artists especially because i think if you're like a you know someone who paints or is an artist like you're gonna make stuff less regularly and maybe showcase your art a little less regularly like as a music artist you might make two albums every 18 months and you might tour three times a year whatever it may be right you're constantly like trying to push that product in a variety of mediums whether it's radio youtube spotify concert blah 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 and i think if you can connect all of those things in a really interesting way and that might be some a way that is backed by a blockchain right whether it's nfts you know proof of attendance protocol tokens or something else there is going to be something there i'm sure well, enough of music. Let's go on to our next subject. And Hishay, this is going to be your subject, the thing that you're bringing to the table. And I've got a feeling I kind of know what it's going to be. Let's talk about ducks. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Let's to talk, talk about, about ducks, <laughs> baby. Exactly. Wow. Uh, I, I have been like thinking and talking with ducks for, uh, I would say, like seven or eight months now. It's like it's it's pretty insane. And there has been uh, maybe one of my life's weirdest obsessions by now. But yeah, life can be weird right now. It's uh, sometimes. So so yeah, let's talk about ducks. We have like a party coming up real soon, coming Sunday uh, on, on the 22nd. And for some really strange reason, we actually decided on, on the theme, I think about like a month, month and a half ago, but we, we went for a Zen party. Like this theme is going to be Zen and it's all about sort of like, you know, people in the space are so, am I allowed to curse? I don't know. Okay, people in the space are, <laughs> are really fucking anxious all the time. Um, like I wake up every morning to like 20 very anxious, mess anxious messages 
from people, right? And the spaces is like, so yeah, just uh, lo- lots of people very worried all the time. Um, so we just want to bring sort of like a chill vibe and get people sort of like together on and remind them why they love NFTs. So like the, the party is going to be uh, sort of like very zen and very chill. Um, so quite different than our 420 party last month. And this time it's actually going to be, uh, it's the first time ever, like, large part of the bath party uh, and, and maybe i should explain what it is for people who don't know what it is right okay so rubber duck bath party is basically a project that uh, minted on march 1st and sort of like the big concept of the rubber duckies is that you get invited to a bath party right like the ducks are pretty naughty they like to party you get invited to a bath party once a month during 2022 because there's going to be a freeze and then when you send your duck to a party um it actually sort of like comes back changed might lose uh, its head or come back with someone else's tie, right? Like they, they, they basically are dynamic NFTs and change after each party. And that's sort of like the main concept. The reason actually why uh, we came up with this is because we wanted to find a way to engage the community on on the art on a long term, uh, basically on a long term. And we, we we sort of like didn't want to get into a place where we had to sort of like think about a utility that had nothing to do with the art. Like when Gal and I started to brainstorm, it was really important for him that it was like an art project and that sort of like the, how we engage with the communities through the art. So this is sort of like how we came up with like a model where we like, we can build every month a new experience that sort of like engages people on the art again. And, and, and that's sort of like the idea behind uh, the duckies. Um, so we get every month lots of people very upset and angry. Uh, some are also really happy, but they, because they sent their duck to a party and it comes back in ways they, they, you know, in different ways. So the collection keeps on changing. We actually, you know, it's a 10K collection. Right now we have already uh, generated over 20,000 unique ducks and we are a dynamic collection. So like if you go to OpenSea, you can actually see all the versions of your duck. So you can sort of like see, this is what your duck looked like when you minted it. This is what it looked like right after, you know, the first part party after the second party etc etc so that's sort of like the, the the concept of the of the collection it actually has been really surprisingly the engagement rates we're seeing are pretty nuts so for instance like last month uh, we had our second party which was about two months after mint and we over over 60 percent of collectors showed up and attended the party which is sort of like what we really were hoping for um, and we're really like excited to sort of see like how can we keep engaging the community um, on the art itself. Uh, so yeah, that's that's basically what we're doing. The next party is on is on Sunday. Uh, we are partnering with Floor uh, with Floor App actually. Uh, in, in in some some ways, we will we, we will basically share some alpha on in the coming days. <laughs> uh, but there will be surprises both both for Ducky holders and for Floor uh, App holders. Like actually, I think Floor NFT was like one of our first collaborations like doodles reached out when we had i think a thousand or two thousand followers on uh, on on twitter it was really really early and um it was like sort of like the first one of the first collaborations and ever since i've also been like a holder of of, of you know floor and i'm i'm opening the app every morning i'm one of those anxious people who check floor prices every day. So yeah, I, I'm really excited to be uh, collaborating with Floor uh, um, for this. And also like this party is actually going to be one of the first part, like the first party that's largely open to non-holders. So even if you don't own a ducky, you'll be able to sort of like experience some of the things we're building. Uh, so if you're anxious, come, come, come on Sunday and check out uh, the Zen party. I'm so excited to... Go to a Zen one. That's not so crazy because the whole website like so intuitive and like and just like flows so well. But it's like sometimes it's chaos. But having it like just be nice and like calm. I'm so excited for. Like I I love the whole experience. Yeah, it's really one of the things when we started building uh, or thinking about how we wanted to build a project. One of the things that was really was really important for us is like. Make keep it interesting for ourselves, and um, so like we wanted to make sure that working on the docs is something that actually keeps us excited as well. And again, if you sort of like think about the best parties, we actually build them from scratch every single month, right? Like you, you have seen two, uh, right? Like so, the, those experiences have been in, in, in very different, and this one is going to be completely different uh, than anything you've seen before. So like we actually just like 
build these mini products time after time. And it keeps it really interesting for us as well, right? It's like, it's, it's uh, you know, we have to be creative on top of our game and sort of like try to uh, come, come up with new art and, and also it's like new sort of like experiences. Um, and also like this time uh, for the Zen party, we're actually building sort of like a mini product um, which will live on after the party as well. Um, so that's sort of like also the direction we're going in probably where the party is sort of like our, uh, you know, there's sort of like the, the, the technicality of like sending your docs off and they change, but we actually want to build sort of like more lasting, uh, I would say digital artistic experiences that go beyond uh, the party and are also accessible for larger audiences. You, you mentioned the freeze. How, so is the way it works is like, if my duck went to like six parties, I get to choose which version of my duck I want to keep going exactly. into the next year. Yeah. So on, on January first, twenty twenty three, or at midnight, um, the, the freeze will set in, and before the freeze, every collector will be able to choose which one, which version of their duck, and um, will become their forever duck. So essentially, the collection locks, right? Like it will not be dynamic anymore, or at least like it will have a legacy of being di- dynamic, but it won't. Ch- it won't keep on changing. And um, so yeah, you can choose which version becomes your forever duck, and that's going to be really interesting. I, I would even say like game theory uh, experiment, because as you can imagine, some people might lock in ducks that are considered most rare, but given that they don't know what other people are choosing, they don't know, you know, like things that are rare might actually turn out not to be as rare as you expect. Uh, so so uh, it's going to be a really inter- interesting experiment. But yeah, that's the freeze. I know this is on, on this specific party, Yashay, but like, what were some of the reasons you decided to like make this project? And what were the kind of, what made you want to do something a bit more unique and, and, and stand out compared to just like another you know, generic PFP drop. Yeah, so it all starts with the art, right? Like, I, I, I really don't want to take credits for, for, for you know, starting this project. Like, this is really Gal, and and he, he, you know, for whoever has who has been following him, he has been creating art. Like, I, I would say since he was a child, but like posting it online for like 10, 15 years, he's like really, really active. Um, and I think sort of like the act of like create creation is sort of like something that comes that, that comes from him really. So first there were ducks before there were bath parties, right? So like the, the ducks really just come from him and he sort of like showed sh- showed me one morning sort of like uh, sk- sketches of the ducks. I think he wanted to like bring something that was sort of like cool cat styles because he, you know, loved clone and, and sort of like something that is really sort of, sort of distinct, but very optimistic and a bit more different. Like, for instance, like the ducks, you don't have sad ducks, uh, right? Or you, you don't have ducks that are, you know, angry. Uh, we really try to sort of like keep it very, very optimistic, right? Like this is all, I think also when we dropped, like this is happened like after two years of COVID, after, you know, like, you know, markets started crashing and things like that. Like, I, th- I think sort of like the art comes from like a really positive and optimistic place. Um, and then sort of like the best parties, like I, I touched upon this uh, um, a little back ago, but like we wanted to make sure that we could keep on building this for a while. Um, and that what we were going to build was not going to be a surprise in a way. So like we wanted to have something where we said, this is what you can expect, right? Like we are going to to uh, throw these events, these uh, basically digital events, but still sort of keep creative freedom of what, what they actually are. So, so that's sort of like how, how we came up with the best party part of it. Um, I think sort of like when it comes to art, uh, that is really just like driven by Gaul, right? Like I think artists... Uh, they just randomly generate stuff in weird patterns, right? Like it's like sort of like, it's literally drops of creativity um, or spurts of creativity. It's really interesting. I've got one question that I, I don't think is contentious, but more of a thing that I think about a lot when it comes to Web3 communities in general. And that's about just how much participation is required. So like there are a certain amount of people that have crypto wallets and can be involved in a specific amount of projects, right? To play Axie, you need to like play the game. To play this NFT game, you need to play that game. You can't play all of them at the same time. Have you found it a struggle to keep people engaged on a monthly basis? Or have you found that like a sweet spot compared to a lot of other projects? Yeah, I 
I haven't found it a struggle per se. Like I haven't found it a struggle. I I do think I do think sort of like the concept or like the parties are sort of like low touch enough to to for people to sort of like come back and there's sort of like an, there's clear incentive for them to show up. So getting people to a party hasn't been a huge struggle. And um, and maybe also coming from Web two where you see uh, retention rates which are way lower, right? Like maybe even in sort of like single digit numbers, uh, basically single digits. So I, so I think like sort of like the retention has been pretty high compared to like what I'm used to from Web2. But, but, but yeah, there, there is something around uh, sort of like shifting attention and especially like post-mint, right? Like you immediately see a drop in attention. And uh, now with like NFT crashing, um, you see like a sort of like a secondary drop in attention, which is really interesting, by the way. I, I, I even see it on my personal Twitter. It's literally just now pundits talking to each other. Uh, and it seems like half of the people have just disappeared, which also sort of like makes sense because it's very sad to be online and it's very negative. And I think lots of people just shy away from that right at the moment. It's the sentiment is negative. Uh, it's just not fun for people to be online. So there's like tend to uh, be quiet or, you know, lurk instead of like being active, which probably happens in more sort of like optimistic periods. So yeah, I do think there's like something interesting about like, how do you retain a community? How do you keep it optimistic? But also, I also think there's like something that has been important for me for from the beginning. And that is really that I don't necessarily want people to like show up 20 times a day, right? Like it, 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 there's something maybe a bit unhealthy about that, right? It's, it's, it's sort of like the same cycle Web2 went through where Facebook initially tried to optimize all their metrics on how do I keep you, uh, how do I keep you literally constantly on our, in our app? And then at some point they start to prioritize mental health and they were like, they would tell you if you have seen all the posts in your Instagram feed, right? They would be like, oh, you've seen everything, you're done now, right? Like the concept of being done was something that didn't exist in social media. And I personally also really believe in that, right? It's like, I don't think I can, I can or should catch people's attention for as long as some people think they should, uh, right? Like, especially if you think about like, what are you as an NFT collection, right? Like you're basically like a, a pretty small brand, right? Like you're not like a, um, a, a Facebook, right? Like also in terms of product, right? Like what product do you put out, right? Like I can have people stare at duck pictures 12 hours a day, right? Like that's not going to work. Uh, so like I'm really just trying to focus sort of like to get them to show up when I, when I need them to show up, which is basically like concentrated around best parties. And then also like sort of like we do have sort of like ongoing events um, and that's sort of like where I take responsibility over. I think everything beyond that should really be organic, right? It's like if the community likes each other and likes talking to each other, they should, I should be a platform and, and like give them sort of like the tools to like organize themselves. Um, but it's really hard for me to sort of like say, uh, it's really hard for me to sort of like try to do that top down. Um, and we see this happening in, in, in our community as well. And I think, uh, you know, people self-organize and we really try to sort of like facilitate it as much as possible. But I don't see it as a metric, right? It's like, I don't, I don't have a metric that says like how many uh, unique active members do I have in the Discord or how many messages do they send on average to each other. Although, you know, I think from a business perspective, probably those numbers are great to have, right? It's like the more people hang out in your Discord, probably that's good for the business. But I think it's probably a misunderstanding of what your product really is. Awesome. Kurt, before we move on to your subject, have you got any questions? Uh, I just wanted to double down on how cool the experience is for those bath parties. Um, we've had a couple of mints recently, well, before the bear took over, where they tried to get you to go through like some kind of a dragged out process. And it was meant to be storytelling, but it kind of was just like, get me through this thing so I can go mint the thing I want to mint. Whereas with the bath party, you're it's like there's a new track that's playing in the background. The, the visuals are crazy. Every single time is a little bit different. So... Yeah, just kudos to you and the team, uh, especially the designers and all the developers. Like that is like legitimately one of the most pleasant NFT like going experiences. Uh, sending the ducks to the bath party. So it's not really a question. That's more of like fanboying. But no, it's just it's just really cool. And how do you guys do it? Like every single Web three website goes down or just doesn't work. How like what's the process? Do you guys have like Th this is like one of my favorite topics to talk about because I don't think. 
people in Web3 realize how big our talent problem is. And I think like lots and lots of teams out there are just sub par in in terms of like tech, but also like, you know, design and things like that, right? It's like, it's really not hard to build in Web3 um, for NFTs, right? Like, I'm not trying to sort of like say that I, you, you know, like building a token or doing like do, doing like sort of like advanced solidity stuff, right? Like that's, that's really fucking hard. Um, but building like an NFT experience or, or a good web experience is something that really isn't that hard. And, you know, like for instance, if you ask me like about our setup, we have like a really vanilla AWS setup for our servers, right? It's like, it's, it's really... It's not rocket science, right? And again, like I, I think if you compare, if you compare a scale of, I think what Web two people are used to and what we deal with in Web three, right? Like in Web three, we're dealing with a scale of like, you know, like we would have at parties like a couple of thousand concurrent people on the site, right? Like that's like nothing compared to what you have to deal with at, you know, if you if you if you would like launch sort of like a web two, I don't know, app, right? Where you're talking about hundreds of thousands or millions of, of concurrence of like uh, uh, um, hits uh, and pings. So I think there's like, we we are dealing a bit with like a talent problem where there are just like not enough good people coming into the space. Um, and, and I think this is like a really, really serious problem. And and par- part of that problem is also like the, 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 the way crypto and NFTs are being viewed by outsiders, right? It's like, it's still sort of viewed as scam, largely scammy or something that's like super volatile. And so like, I think lots of really good engineers and designers and product people just don't enter the space because they are scared about that, right? Like how to reflect on their career or if it's actually uh, sort, of, sort of like something that is something that is stable. And uh, by the way, again, I'm, I'm not, I would say I'm a pretty mediocre tech person, uh, right? Like a d- developer, like I'm actually like my, my, my trade is like product. Um, but I think like, and, and like we, I, I built our smart contract and I got it by the way. Like, I think Curtis, you're like in shiny objects, right? Yeah. So, so Jonathan Snow is like one of like, the, the, he's like great. He, he actually, it was one of the auditors of our contract, but like, again, like I, I think like I am a pretty mediocre dev and I was like able to like write a contract but, you know, I learned it on YouTube. I learned Solidity on YouTube and then just, I, I guess was like at least smart enough to understand that I'm not an expert. So I got it audited by a bunch of people and sort of like optimized it. But but yeah, I think like in the end, it's also like a bit of like respect for your for your audience or like build just quality shit. And we need to get better people into this space. Like we deserve good experiences, right? Like we deserve good product. Um, and, and yeah, I think lots of like, there's lots of shitty, shitty stuff out there. And I think the bar is like super low, right? Like we accept just basically everything uh, from NFT projects. I want to like clarify, I'm not trying to throw shade on anyone, right? It's like, it's a new no, space. No, no, no. I, and- I, I think it's totally, totally true. Like I, a friend of mine who runs a business called Encode Club, um, they've just raised a $5 million seed. And their whole business model is basically they take dev talent they do boot camps that basically make them like crypto native and ready. And then they place them at like, you know, protocols or startups or companies. And they've done like 2 million rev last year. And because there's such a gap in gap for and, and desire for talent in this space, they've, I think they've trained like 15,000 devs, which is crazy, right? Like this, the, the, the demand is really, really big here. The other thing that has been going on until recently was, you could just pick up a contract, clone it, clone an art, flip it, whatever. <laughs> and there was no, like there's the incentive wasn't on making a good experience or a site that's going to hold up in any shape or form. It was just get something out really quick that capitalizes on a trend, get some money and either get out or just leave. Now, I think, especially in a bear, people are starting to gravitate towards better experiences. So stuff like what Doodles continuously pumps out, like people who are doing really cool stuff, like already Rubber Duck Bath Party, like cool experiences, cool art, interesting teams that are kind of sticking around and showing other people that it is possible for us to have nice things in Web3. Um, until recently, I don't think we've really had that. But uh, yeah, th- this is where Pop, uh, to bring that back to that, 
comes in where there's a lot of, I know a couple of the people in POP who've built really cool stuff, like the team from Mason who've built amazing contracts for uh, POP themselves and LinksDAO and the floor Gen 3 was done through them. They can help teach all these other developers and builders and founders uh, kind of what they've learned and hopefully we all get better experiences as a result. I'm also really excited, by the way, for a bunch of like no code tools coming out. Um, you know, like I think that Breno from Robotos is doing really awesome stuff. And also, you know, I, I, this is not, this is actually public, right? You all have like a new uh, sort of like raffle page and I thought it was like an amazing product, right? Like, again, this is something that sh shouldn't suck. Um, and we actually built something small in-house. And after I sort of like searched for something like that, that didn't exist. Um, but it's, it's even like small things like that, right? Uh, that should just work and should be delightful and friendly, like friendly for the user. So, so yeah, I'm excited just like also to see you guys building new things uh, as well that are sort of like beyond uh, the portfolio tracker. Yeah, that partnership portal. I love it, Curtis. The It looks nice because of Patrick, the designer. It works nice because of a whole team effort, but yeah, we've got we've got a bunch of other stuff in the pipeline, which is really cool, and maybe exploring ways of other people using tools that we build, and not just floor. So, mm. foreshadowing. I mean, speaking of Curtis, do you want to quickly run through? I oh, know we don't have that much time. Quickly run through the thing that you were going to talk about this episode. Uh, sure, since it, it's pretty quick and it is a good kind of public service announcement for people. So on a couple days ago, I think May 13th, there was a CoinGecko and Etherscan scam going on where users were visiting those sites and getting prompted to sign or to connect their wallet and then sign trend uh, messages. And so anyone listening, like as soon as something like that happens unprompted without you clicking a button or something, like just don't do anything. Just close out that window and and figure out what, what the heck just happened. But essentially what happened is there's a big ad network called Coinzilla, which is running ads, or a lot of the big crypto sites use it to run uh, third-party ads. And one malicious ad got through that was delivering some code to the page that was prompting you to visit a website that then asked for approval for all the tokens in your wallet. And so if you did sign that message or interact with that, it's very possible that you then watched all your tokens get taken out of your wallet. Now, Coinzilla claims that no one has lost crypto as a result of this hack or this scam, and it was only live for about an hour before all the websites basically shut it down. So that's promising. I don't see how no one lost anything, but it seems as though not a lot of people have, or at least people aren't making noise on Twitter that they have. But reason I bring this up is... Just there's a couple things you can do to just protect yourself when you go. Uh, first off, if something asks you to sign something without you initiating something, just don't. Um, also, ad blockers will help these kind of script kitty type uh, ads from trying to do things on your browser. And then the other ones are kind of, I hope they become common sense, but like read what you sign. So anytime something asks you to connect, see what website it's actually connecting to. In this case, it was a domain that was. I think it's like nftapes.win or something like that. It's like super shady. Read the messages asking you to sign like, hey, we're going to steal your tokens. Or if it doesn't say what it's going to do, then don't sign the thing. And then a couple other things you can do is if you're going to go around connecting to random websites, use a truly hot wallet, something that doesn't have all your stuff in it. So it doesn't have your doodles and your, your other PFP projects. Like Use something that is basically just used for minting. And that way, if you sign something, you might lose a couple NFTs or nothing because there's nothing in your wallet. And the other one is if you do want to have like a double check, especially on signing, if you use a ledger as a daily driver, um, you actually will have to click the button in your browser and then also uh, sign with your ledger. So it kind of gives you an extra 10 seconds to think like, am I really supposed to be doing this thing right now? Like, do I really want to sign a transaction or a message for nftapes.win? So yeah, just a couple things that you can kind of protect yourself against, but yeah, hopefully none of you guys uh, got caught up in that. But yeah, kind of scary that those kind of big trusted websites would prompt you to sign something. Uh, I could see a lot of people, especially as we go mainstream, would probably fall for that pretty easily. Now, this is something that I know Rubber Duck Bath Party takes advantage of on OpenSea is using their iframes. Is there any like security precautions in place on OpenSea to make sure that doesn't happen? I've never seen it, so I'm guessing there is. I'm not sure the capability or of what you can do with their iframes on there, though. And that's a great question. I I actually not sure. 
I would imagine that you can trigger a wallet from the iframe that would probably be not be possible. They are actually not that I haven't seen any restrictions, but I would like have to experiment with if they actually scan for for certain things or not. Uh, maybe Curtis knows. That's actually really interesting. Yeah, I'd have to look into it to be sure. Most browsers have really shored up iframe attacks recently, or not recently, like in the last like five, six years. Like it's it's pretty difficult to find a way to a vector into someone's browser through an iframe, just because iframes are are everywhere, um, and these are no different. So, but yeah, it'd be very interesting to see if you could actually initiate like a a wallet transact or like a message to pop up. That'd be an interesting thing to try and play with. But I, I think we're pretty safe right now with the, the current iframe implementations that are they're, they're just uh, pointers to HTML, like rubber duck bath party, where they're just showing you interesting history or they're like the generative playable games and stuff like that. It, and it actually points to IPFS, so like the entire HTML is like stored on uh, IPFS. Awesome. Well, we'll move on now to the floor section. Corwin, what is the latest from floor? Lots of great things. We just released the first version of Android Alpha yesterday to about 20 users who signed up for the waitlist. So we're super stoked about that. If anyone has an Android device and has been waiting to get floor, we have a waitlist link on our announcements page on Discord, and we'll also be posting it on Twitter as well. So that's super exciting. It's probably the biggest thing going on right now. Fantastic. Well, congrats to everyone that's been working on that. I've got a couple of questions here from the community. This one's from Ozen. What's wrong with Corwin's duck, and why does it not know how to party? Is it an error in the code, Corwin? I think this is planted, this question. I mean, like... Come on, he died at a party and didn't even get his bib dirty. Like, what is going on here? Wow, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I have to look at your. <laughs> I have to look at your duck. I do take pride in 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 absolutely not uh, intervening with the algorithms. Like, I can always blame it on. I can always blame it on on the algorithm. But yet, it it is completely. I I think like a really interesting thing we're hearing after parties is like there's sort of like two groups of people that complain usually about how they duck parties or how it comes back from a party. And it's like, there's a group of people that are disappointed that the change was like too small, right? So, so you know, like you have like a green background and now it's a blue background. And then there are like people who who lose something that they really love. Um, so those are sort of the two. But your 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 uh, yeah your complaint is way more complicated because like I think the percentage like the chance of that change happening is so tiny that yeah when when <laughs> when bib merch when bib yeah exactly when bib merch indeed uh, the next one is from Sadiq uh, love to hear what people think are opportunities in the bear market what do you think is undervalued and why Curtis want to have a crack at this one oh man uh, duckies. Ducky floor price is pretty low right now. I might actually go snap a bunch up. I know, I was looking at them right now too, Curtis. Yeah, th those are appealing. Uh, I mean, everything is still on sale. Even blue chips have come down considerably. So hopefully you have some liquidity and you weren't completely invested in JPEGs that you couldn't get out of. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Like I minted pop. That's like the first thing I minted in a long, long time. I haven't really been buying all that much because yeah, it, it, I just haven't... I haven't wanted to put on my NFT trader hat in a while. Um, I probably will jump back in there now as we're, we may be recovering from this. Floor tokens are always a good target. Uh, can't say more, but yeah, floor tokens. Get your floor tokens. What about you, Shay? I actually just bought a cat, which I think are ridiculously underpriced. Uh, cool cats, the, the, you know, the only cats that really matter. Like, I, I, I bought one for 36 and I've, I've sort of been scanning the, 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 their floor for a while till I found something that I really liked. Um, and then also bought a pet, which has been really fun sort of like playing with. I think they're like, yeah, they're, it's like they're clearly undervalued. Uh, Clone is just like this amazing artist, which I think will really sort of like, uh, you know, I like artists that have been creating art and will be creating art, right? like no matter of, you know, the medium. And I think he's like one of the, one of those. And I'm pretty bullish on sort of like what they're trying to build uh, in, in, in this space, like sort of like idle game type things I think could work really well. Um, so yeah, 
pretty bullish on, on, on cool cats. I think they're like ridiculously cheap. And I was hoping for Doodles to, to come down. Uh, they're, they're disappointing me uh, um, in terms of like their floor price going down a bit more because I, I it's just like one other brand that I really, really like um, if we talk about blue chips. Um, and then I'm actually minting later today Hell of a Party, which is a really fun project by some, yeah, just great people. Uh, I spoke with them a couple of months ago. Their project is like, they don't give a fuck, right? Like most projects try to be like family friendly and they're just like absolutely the opposite. They, I think they, they posted like a, their art with a dick pic, right? Like sort of their character, like, you know, taking a dick pic and stuff like that. It's like really, really fun. Uh, like really good, just fun art, uh, really good vibes. And it's a free mint, um, which is also like interesting. I think we're going to see lots and lots of free, free mints. Um, and, but, but like, it's not a free mint and they don't invest in their product. Like they actually really invest in sort of building it out and it's like high quality. So I'm excited for that mint. I haven't minted in, uh, yeah, a while. I think my last mint was Whiskers. Got to scratch that itch, right? Uh, we've got a couple more here. One from No Sensei. We'd love to know how the team each deals with big losses in crypto and NFTs, whether rug pulls, scams, or just bad investments. How do you guys bounce back both mentally and portfolio-wise? What's your gameplay? Game plan, not gameplay. I, I feel like mentally, it it's taken me years of practice. Like yeah. from the ICO, yeah, yeah, yeah. from like the whole ICO craze, like. 2017 and just losing so much on crypto like I've just taken all those lessons mentally and like portfolio wise to kind of move forward with things and like now when I see a clear like profit I take it like I don't want to play these risky 50x games if it happens it happens yes some projects I'm bullish on but once you're in profit you're in profit and I think this was like something I got from Shiny and Curtis like way back in the day was buying rolls of three so like if you can like if you can buy three and flip and get in profit, you let the rest ride. And if they go to zero, they go to zero. But these are like lessons that took me long, long time to learn. And to yeah. recover from like a low portfolio, you just gotta, you just really gotta keep your head up and, you know, move forward because there's not much you can do once it goes, once you lose so much. Yeah. I think, um, I think the key thing is, is experiencing that pain, like definitely makes you better from that perspective. And there are a few key things that I kind of follow, like one, obviously have enough money to pay your taxes Two, don't overextend yourself money wise three i think it's a really important one that i think is super hard to do but like don't marry the paper value and what i mean by that is like don't look at a value on paper especially if something as illiquid as an nfts right or most nfts and something as volatile as crypto and think okay that is money i have and feel like you've made it because you've got i don't know like fifty thousand dollars or $75,000, whatever it may be, on paper in those uh, JPEGs. And the likelihood is if you do feel that way emotionally, you probably have too much there rather than in cash or something that's probably like traditionally a bit safer. Although not that many things are are very safe at the moment. And then, yeah, like I I think the the biggest rule I learned, I mean, you know, candidly, 2017, 18, I saw my, I I bought some, bought uh, my first bit of Bitcoin at like $2,800, I saw it ride to $20,000 and then I saw it go back down to $4,000 without selling. And the biggest, uh, the biggest lesson I learned was like sell at some point because you can't lose money if you sell, if that makes sense. Like even if you sell for a loss, ironically, like you are not like you are net gaining cash or from that sale, whatever it may be, you might lose on the net value between those two trades, but like whenever you're selling, you're not losing money. Uh, so that's like an important lesson that I learned. But yeah, it's definitely difficult and definitely learn from the mistakes that we see in this this bear market because it will make it will make you a lot better uh, in the future. Cool. We've got one final one posting this time. I think this was a really interesting question. What would it take to get you to mint something in this market? And if you were a project that had plans to mint in the coming weeks, would you still launch? What precautions might you take to try to ensure a successful launch? Yashay and Curtis, we'll let you have this one, I think. Yeah, I, I'm talking to lots and lots and lots of project uh, founders and, and just people on teams. And I, I mean, my advice to them is don't don't launch now. It's 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 just it's just bad time. Uh, it, it it yeah. It's a bad timing unless you're really certain of 
minting out. Um, but yeah, I think we've seen lots of examples of projects that would do incredibly well in a different market, like tank right away or not mint out. Um, so, so yeah, definitely, I, I think your community would understand not minting right now and, and just like postponing. And, and, and then I think like use it to your advantage as well, right? Um, I, I don't think we're gonna get the NFT market back that we are that we that we know from you know the last year. It, it's going to be very different. So I think anyone who is set on trying to launch a project like you would have launched a project two months ago will probably not make it. Uh, you, 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 you we need to find new mechanisms of of drops. I think actually like really good examples of that are you know I, the name just slipped. Uh, slipped my mind, but I think they're called Bad Dog Club. Bad Dogs Club. They do the artist basically draws something every day and then does a raffle every day of who can mint uh, and then basically sells it. Like I think we, people need to start be more. They basically be more innovative on like how they launch uh, and and sort of control supply maybe a bit better. Um, and yeah, just remember that the market is changing and you should change as well. Um, so I think we're going to see lots of innovation. I love that the market is changing, so you should change as well. Uh, Curtis, any last thoughts on this before we wrap up? Yeah, I pretty much echo that sentiment. If you're just doing a giant 10K PFP type project, I would probably wait a while. Um, it is going to force people to do interesting stuff. So utility tokens are always, especially something like a floor token where it's not meant to mint out, it's kind of meant to be a slow burn. If that's your project, then you could still launch. Um, I also think there's a lot of room for interesting mint mechanics where it's not seen as a failure if you don't mint out and you just have to be really careful about how you control supply because even if you say, oh yeah, there's 10,000 and then people see only 1,000 minted, there's going to be a whole lot of negativity around the project. So yeah, there's, there's lots of different ways you can approach that. But yeah, if you're if you're just doing like one of those mass drops and thinking that it's going to be how it was a couple months ago, you're in for a bad time. And Unfortunately, a lot of really cool art and teams are they, they're going to release stuff into this market that is not going to do well, even though like two months ago they would have gone gangbusters. So it's, uh, yeah, just be careful. Awesome. Well, I think we've got to wrap up there. This has definitely got to be our longest ever Floorcast episode, but I've had a ton of fun. Thank you so much to everyone who is listening. If you made it this far, please do give us five stars on Spotify, Apple, or whatever you listen to. And please do not forget to subscribe. You can find us at The Floorcast on Twitter, and you can find me at P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A on Twitter. And you could also find Corwin at Zero X Corwin on Twitter and also Living Inside the Floor Discord. And you can find Curtis at uh, Curtis J. Cummings on Twitter and in the Floor Discord. Amazing. And you can find Yashay and Rubber Duck Bath Party at yeah, the ducks are Robert Duck BP on Twitter, and I'm J I S H A I on Twitter. You just made me spell out my entire name. Thank you've you. You've got to do it. Listen, you've got to do it, man. You've got to do it. And you can find uh, Floor at Floor NFTs. And remember, none of what we have said in this episode is financial advice, just great advice. Thank you once more, everyone, for listening to episode 18 of the Floorcast. We'll have more content for you next week.